0: Hey, Hope City Church, excited we get to spend a little bit of time together. I'm actually back in the auditorium uh, speaking to you. Excited about that as our team is just getting everything ready uh, so that hopefully we can be together uh, July 12th for all of our Hope team volunteers and then July 19th for the rest of the church. So uh, excited to be able to be speaking to you from the stage again. It's been a really long time, but we have been taking a few weeks to talk about this idea of new normal. New normal, and today I want to talk about how we can feel new, how we can feel new. We're talking about feelings today, and how we can feel new. and And we know we talk about it all the time. We know that Christ makes us a new person when we put our faith in Him, uh, when we are converted, when we believe in Jesus. He makes us a new person. But you also know, if you've been following Jesus for long at all, you know that initially. There is this rush, there is this power. Uh, we said a few weeks ago, C.S. Lewis described it like our soul has wings. There is this experience of uh, this new person that we are, this new experience with Christ. But if you've been following Jesus long at all, you know that there comes a point when you don't feel as new anymore. There's a lot of names for it, you know, that that you can kind of get stuck in, but you don't feel new. You feel incredibly normal. You feel like you're lacking power or strength to resist temptation, or you don't feel God's love like you did before. Or maybe you're struggling with doubt when you've never really struggled with doubt before. We all go through times like this. It doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. It's a very normal experience for a Christian, but... We should have times when we are feeling new, and that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, The other night, Andrea and I were sitting in the living room, and uh, our kids were playing and and just doing whatever it is that they were doing. And A lot of parents probably feel this way, a lot of spouses probably feel this way right now, but we're sitting in the living room, and um, Andrea looked over at me with a serious look on her face. It had been a long day, I had been away working and she had been home with the kids and she looked at me with this serious look on her face and she said, hey, look at me. And I looked at her and she said, I need some alone time with you. We need to go on a date, something. Like I just need some time with you. And what was she saying in that moment? What she was not saying is I'm leaving you. She wasn't saying I don't love you anymore. Uh, she was saying, I feel distant from you right now. Everything that's going on in life these last four months, five months, 24-hour parenting, still changing some diapers because we got one more in potty training, cleaning up messes, dealing with kid drama, cooking meals every night, cleaning three times the amount of dishes. Like, I just feel a distance from you, and I, I need us to spend some time together. This is a very normal feeling in a relationship. So it's also a normal experience that we would have in our relationship with God, that there are times in our life, times in our spiritual life where we our soul feels and is saying, I, God, I just need some time with you. I feel a distance. I don't feel a spark necessarily. I, I don't feel that and I need some time with you. So the question is, how, how can we do that? How can we feel new? How, how can we stop feeling normal and start feeling new. And I want us to try to answer that. And to do that, we're gonna to talk today about the role that the Holy Spirit plays in our life. And when I say that, that phrase or that word, Holy Spirit, depending on your background, church, I don't know exactly uh, what that makes you think of, but if when I say Holy Spirit, you think of something negative or you think of something scary or intimidating, I really wanna challenge you to kind of push that to the side, push that out of the way, because it's really unnecessary. Because the Holy Spirit is just God in spirit form. It's the Trinity, right? We have God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus uh, was God in human form. The Holy Spirit is God in spirit form. And whether you realize it or not, so many of of the things that you say, so many of the ways that you describe experiences with God, whether you realize it or not, you're really describing experiences with the Holy Spirit. For example, like um, maybe you've said before, I was just really thinking about this or praying about this and I needed to make a decision. I just really felt like God wanted me to you know, fill in the blank, give that money, talk to that person, help somebody uh, you know, take that job, make that decision. Well, it was God, but it was God really in spirit form. Really, that was an experience with the Holy Spirit. He was he was helping you, leading you, giving you discernment about a decision. That was a very normal experience with the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you would say, um, maybe you would say, "Man, church was powerful. I just really felt God in that church service." Um, you did feel God, but really, what you were feeling was God in Spirit form. You were experiencing the Holy Spirit. It's a very normal experience with the Holy Spirit. So. Whether you realize it or not, there are so many areas of your spiritual life where you're already having this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk about that a little bit to help us uh, feel new. Jesus told the disciples uh, before he left, he said, look, I'm I'm going away. I'm leaving, talking about after the resurrection, I'm going back to heaven. But when I do, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will be a gift to you. I want you to think about that for a second. Like, if that Jesus gave you a gift, if you knew that this was a gift from Jesus, you wouldn't have any hesitation about that. You wouldn't have any hang ups about that. And Jesus said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, and it's a gift to you, and it's something that He wants us to have and experience and, and live with. And the Bible teaches, that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you're saved, when you're converted, when your heart uh, becomes new, that you receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you, there's lots of places where we could look for this. I want to just show you you one, and it's in 1 John, 1 John, towards the end of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 2, verse 26. First John chapter 2, verse 26. Here's the way John, the disciple John, described it. He said, um, he said, I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. Verse 27, but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. You've received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. Now, what's interesting about this verse is that where it says Holy Spirit, and we just read that in the, in the NLT, where it says Holy Spirit in the Greek the the word for Holy Spirit right there is anointing, and so all throughout the New Testament, uh, Holy Spirit and anointing in a lot of places is kind of exchanged or inter, inter you know interchanged in that, and you can kind of mix them mix them up, and so Holy Spirit and anointing is the word that was being used here. And anointing, I don't know if you've ever heard that word before, but anointing, literally definition, just means to smear. Or, or to rub with oil. That's what anointing means, is to smear or to rub with oil. Maybe you uh, remember some stories in the Old Testament, like where uh, the prophet Samuel anointed David to be the king, and he took oil, and he poured it on his head. And then the New Testament, there's another example where uh, the, the lady, Mary, came in and anointed Jesus, pouring oil on him, and and rubbing it in with her hair. This is all throughout the Bible. This was anointing. And so maybe you're thinking, Jason, why are you talking about somebody rubbing oil on me? That sounds a little bit strange. Well, that's not what I'm saying. You can relax. Nobody's going to be rubbing oil on you. But the reason that, the, that people in the Bible were anointed was because there was something significant about their life. It was a, It was a gesture of setting them apart. And, and in some cases, it meant that they would have a supernatural power that was from God. Like if you know the story of Samson, uh, an angel said to Samson's mom, as long as you don't cut his hair and he follows this Nazarite vow, he's going to have an anointing. And that anointing was incredibly powerful on Samson's life. And so we see this all throughout the Bible. These people were anointed, and, and usually that involves some type of ceremony where oil was rubbed was rubbed in. So now let's remember what we read in 1 John chapter 2. So John said that you've received this anointing, you've received the Holy Spirit. And so these verses are saying that just like David was anointed and just like Samson was anointed and just like Elisha was anointed and just like Jesus was anointed that that you have God's spirit, you have an anointing. And this is going to sound crazy, but I was trying to think like, how can I explain this? What is the best way that we could understand what this is saying to us? And this is going to sound strange, but I'm just going to use it. And I think you'll get what I'm saying here. But I want you to think about a time when you've been like at a swimming pool or the beach and there was that mom, you know, that mom I'm talking about that just smothered their kid in sunscreen? You know what I'm talking about? And so that kid's walking around like a ghost, I mean, just covered in the SPF 150 and just like, just covered in that sunscreen. You know what I'm talking about? You see that image in your head? Well, in a way, that's what the Bible's talking about in 1 John 2 that we read, that you are walking around. If your faith is in Christ, you are walking around with the Spirit of God smeared all over you like that kid in the sunscreen. Your faith is in Jesus. You are walking around. It's just rubbed and smeared all over you, the spirit of God. And this is huge because it means that you're more than just a Christian. If your faith is in Christ, you're more than just a Christian. You are anointed. You're more than just a mom. You are a Christian mom. You are a mom who is parenting with an anointing. You're an anointed mom. You're more than just a mechanic. You're more than just a Christian mechanic. You are an anointed mechanic working with your tools alongside the Spirit of God. You're more than just a cashier. You're more than just a Christian cashier. You are a cashier working with the Spirit of God smeared all over you. This is amazing. This is huge. It should change the way that you view how you go through your day, because you're not just you, you're not just a Christian, you are anointed, covered in the spirit of God. But what do you do when you don't feel that way? Maybe you're thinking, Jason, I don't feel special. I don't feel powerful. I don't feel alive. I don't feel loved. I don't feel anointed. I, I, don't, I don't feel filled with the Holy Spirit. What do I do about that, Jason? Well, I would say a couple of things. The first thing I would say is that just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not true. And that, yes, following Jesus is emotional. Spirituality can be emotional. But, but just because you are in a season where you don't feel it doesn't mean that you don't have it. And, and so that's the first thing I would say. But the second thing I would say is more serious and that is if, if you would say, you know, honestly, I don't know that I've ever felt that. If you would say, I I've never felt spiritually alive, I've never felt powerful, I've never felt the love of God, I've never felt like my soul had had wings. I would I would probably push back a little bit and say, Are you sure that you're saved? Are you sure that you were converted? Are you sure that you were made brand new? Are you sure that you, you put your faith in Jesus and there was a moment when the Holy Spirit changed your heart, not just made you a better person or helped you change some habits, but made you a brand new person? Because at a minimum, at a minimum, those first few days, for your first few weeks, you should experience a life that's not your own anymore, a power that is with you now, a presence that is with you now, the spirit of God is with you. And so I'm not saying this to make you question whether or not you're saved or to make you scared. Somebody said to me the other day, like, Jason, your your last couple sermons, like, I'm not sure I'm saved anymore. Like, you're really kind of like scaring me. And that's not what I'm trying to do at all. Please hear me. But I would say to someone who says, you know what, this doesn't just feel like a season where I don't feel loved, powerful, anointed, God's spirit, alive, new. It's not just a season. Honestly, I've been going to church a long time. I've been a Christian a long time, but I don't know that I've ever felt that way. I I would say to you, are you sure that you've had a moment when the Holy Spirit changed your heart and you believed that Jesus is the Savior that you need because you cannot save yourself and you need to get to God. The third thing I would say, if you would say, I don't feel alive, I don't feel loved, I don't feel new, I don't feel anointed. The, the, the third thing I would say, and this is what I'm going to spend the rest of our time on today, is I would say, if, if you don't feel anointed, powerful, alive, loved, filled with the Spirit, if you feel normal, I would say that it's time to do something new. It's time for a new experience of, of God's spirit. If anointing means to just smother or rub, then I think we could all understand that there are times when the fence or the back porch needs a new coat of stain. There there are times when you need to reapply the sunscreen. There are times when you got to put on more deodorant. I hope you know that. Like there, there are, there are times when you got to reapply, right? And if we know that's true about fences and porches and sunscreen, it's, it's also true about, about our spiritual lives. And maybe it's a fresh, new spiritual commitment. You know, maybe, maybe it's a new experience, and, and I, I want to show you what I mean by that, all right? So the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit working in a lot of different ways in our life. And we don't have time to get into all of those uh, today, but I just wanna give them to you really quickly that there are five ways that the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Again, I, don't, I can't get into all of these. I'm just gonna rapid fire a couple of these at you. The Bible talks, says that the Holy Spirit draws us to God. This is that experience where God, the Holy Spirit opens our heart. No one comes, Jesus said to the Father, except that which the Spirit draws. So this is the work of the Holy Spirit opening our hearts to God to believe in him. So he, he, he draws us. Number two, he saves us. He gives us a new heart. Holy Spirit does that. Number three, he seals us. The Bible says that he, he keeps us saved. Number four, the Bible says he lives in us. When we put our faith in Christ, he lives in us. He helps us day to day live this Christian life. And so he, he draws us to God, saves us, seals us, lives in us. But the fifth way that the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit is it says that it it fills us. Fills us. F I L L S, not F E E L. F I L L. It fills us. As in, I filled the empty cup with water. This is the way that the Bible describes the Holy Spirit in our lives, not just draws us, saves us, seals us, and lives in us, but also fills us. And I wanna just, there's an example of this in Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, verse 18. Maybe you've heard this verse before, but Paul's writing, he says, don't be drunk with wine, which is not the point of the verse. Don't get nervous on me because that will ruin your life. That's good preaching, but it's not the point of this message. Instead, he says, be filled. There's that word, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is describing an experience. It's saying, that it's possible to choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit the same way that you could choose to be filled with wine. You can choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's always with you. But there are also other times when you can be filled with the Spirit or refilled with the Spirit. This This is possible. Does that make sense to everybody? Hopefully that makes sense for you the same way that you can go and choose to fill your body with something we can have experiences where we are filled with the spirit of god we have the opportunity when we're feeling lifeless and dry and powerless or unloved to experience the holy spirit in a new way or be or be filled back up in a sense and every believer, pay attention, look at me. Every believer needs experiences like this. It, it, is, it is, standing firm following Jesus requires supernatural assistance. And you don't say, hey, I'm going to get my car from Kentucky and drive to California, but I'm going to do it on all one tank of gas. No, you know along the way, I got to fill up i got to refill. And listen, it is a long journey ahead to get to where Christ has called us and where he's taking us. And you're not going to do that on one tank of gas. You need refills and new experiences with the Holy Spirit. Well, What does culture tell us about this, about what I'm describing, about feeling dry or losing our passion? Well, culture, you know, it, 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 it tells us bad information. It lies to us. I think just in this topic, I think two ways that culture lies to us about this. The first thing is that culture says, if it's the real thing, you'll never lose your passion. And if it, listen, if this is real, you're not going to lose your passion. If it's really love, you know, you'll never fight. If you if you really loved it, you would never want to quit. This is what culture would tell us: is that passion is the indicator that something is for real. And so, if passion is gone, then maybe it was never, maybe it was never meant to be. Another way culture lies to us is they say, well, if you've lost your passion, you need to just move on. If you don't feel it anymore, you need to just move on. It wasn't meant to be. If you're unhappy, you need to find a new spouse. If you're bored, you need to find a new career. So culture is telling us, look, no passion means you made the wrong choice or it's time to move on or you don't need to recommit yourself or you don't need to try to find something. That passion, a lack of passion is letting you know that it didn't work, it wasn't right. But these are lies that we're fed every day from the world around us. If it's real, you'll never lose your passion. And if you do lose your passion, you need to move on. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. And tired. What did Paul say in Romans? Paul said that the Spirit helps us in our weakness so culture says, man, if your passion's gone, then it must not have been the real thing. But the Bible says, yeah, life is going to take some passion out of you. Life is going to take some of that, that blissful soul-has-wings experience away from you. But when that happens, that doesn't mean that somehow you have, you, you've fallen away or you're not saved. Or It just means you need to come back to God. It means you need another new experience with the Spirit of God in your life. God wants to fill you or refill you with the Spirit. He he wants you to have a new experience. He wants to refill that empty cup, that empty soul. But if we want to experience God in a new way, we have got to be willing to do something new. If you want the Spirit to, to fill your life, then we need to empty ourselves. We need to make room so that the spirit can fill that space. How do we do that? How do we make room for the Holy spirit to fill us or to fill us again? There, there are a lot of, lot of ways we could answer that question. We could probably do a whole series on that, um, but I, what I want to do for the time we have left is I really just want to focus on one. One way that you can make room in your life for the Spirit of God to fill or to refill. And that's consecration. If you want to have a new experience with the Holy Spirit, it requires consecration. That's a big Bible word. We've already thrown anointing at you. Now we're throwing consecration at you. These are Bible words, but 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 consecration just means to set apart something as sacred or holy. Practically speaking, it means we remove things from our life that are keeping us from experiencing God. See, Jesus makes us right with God, but it's our choices and our habits that make us feel close to God. And so if we are... Filling our lives with things that are opposite of the Spirit of God doesn't mean we're not saved, but but it does mean that that we feel more distant from God, not as close to God, not as much of the Spirit's power in our life. But that's not because God has moved. It's because we have. And so to make room for the Spirit of God requires us to to remove things that are keeping us from experiencing him. And the, the most known example of this in the Bible, of this consecration idea concept, is in the Old Testament. It's in, it's in Joshua because Joshua took over for Moses. He was the leader. The Israelites were about to move into the promised land. Maybe you've heard the story of Jericho. They marched around the walls and the walls fell down. If you know that story, well, what I'm about to read to you, it, it was right before Jericho. This is in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Joshua, the leader, they're getting all these instructions about what to do. And Joshua says to the people, Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Purify yourselves. Purify is what the NLT says. Almost every other translation uses the word consecrate. So Joshua shows up to the people, and he says, because they had to be excited, because... They were about to enter the promised land that their parents and grandparents had told them about 40 years in the making. And Joshua shows up and says, consecrate yourself because tomorrow God's going to do amazing, great wonders among you and purify, consecrate. Great, great alternative to choose there because what Joshua was saying was God's going to do something new tomorrow but we can't experience something new tomorrow with our old way of life from today. So Joshua was saying, if you want God to do something new tomorrow, you have got to move on from, purify yourself from the old ways of life. Now, I wanna be crystal clear, I hope you know this. If you hear a lot of messages at Hope City, I don't think you're wondering this, but just in case, I wanna be very clear. I'm not talking about changing your behavior to be saved. I'm not talking about cleaning up so God will love you to make it to heaven. Jesus saves you, it is by faith, it is by grace. This is not, you need to stop doing more or these things because God is mad or won't love you. I'm talking about making choices to experience more of God's spirit In your life, I'm talking about looking to God, so to speak, the same way Andrea looked at me and said, I just need some time. I feel distant and making some choices in order to do that. So, as I'm talking about this, maybe you're thinking, okay, you convinced me. Perfect. I'm in. Just tell me what to do, tell me what to cut. But I can't do that because most of the time, the things that are keeping us from new experiences with God are not blatant black and white sins. They're all kinds of little choices, little compromises in our life. If I was to stand here and say, you know what? You need to get off social media. That wouldn't be fair. Because while it's true that for some of us, social media is taking up space in our life that is distancing us from experiencing and filling the spirit of God, that's not true for everybody. So I can't stand up here and make social media, getting off social media, some biblical command. Couldn't do that. So for some of us, it's robbing us of our joy and robbing us of our peace, and we're addicted and we can't get away. And so maybe that is the purifying, maybe that's the consecration, maybe that's what's being removed from your life, but not everybody. So I can't give you a list that everybody needs to follow. Of course, of course, if there are areas of your life where you're disobeying God's word, and we can ask him to help us and overcome and obey, but in all of those other small ways, we need the Holy Spirit to convict us and challenge us to remove the things that are normal but are keeping us from new experiences with the Holy Spirit. As we begin to talk about this, you know, consecration. You, things that maybe we could say, things that you could think of that the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, sometimes initially our reaction is, it's not necessary, it's overkill, it's normal. This is how we've always done it. This has always been the pattern. This has always been the way that we do it. But that's why we feel so incredibly normal in our relationship with God. So what if we ended this way? What if we asked God, the Holy Spirit, to reveal to us the things in our life that need to be removed so we can have a new experience, a new filling of his spirit. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be challenging. It doesn't have to sound super spiritual. It's a simple confession and prayer to God that says, God, help me to remove anything in my life that's keeping me from experiencing more of you. I want everything you have for me, God. I want to experience everything you have for me, God. And so whatever is keeping me, whether it's sin or not, whether it's Bible or not, not what somebody else tells me, but God, what you tell me, what the Holy Spirit tells me, challenges me, convicts me. God, will you help me to consecrate myself, purify myself, clean out the closet, remove all of the things that are taking up all the space in my life, because God, I want to make Room that the Holy Spirit can fill. I would love for you and challenge you to pray that prayer. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, God, that when I didn't have a way to get to you and I didn't have a way to have a relationship with you and I was not good enough to be able to earn my way to you, you sent Jesus to die on a cross and resurrect from death so that I could have a new life. Thank you for that. And God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you don't leave me to live this life on my own. You don't leave me to try to get to heaven on one tank of gas, God. But you gift us and gift me the Holy Spirit draw me, save me, seal me, live in me and fill me. Thank you for that incredible gift, God. And God, I pray that every person who's watching, every person who hears this would be challenged and convicted by the Holy Spirit for any way or any area of our life that we need to remove or empty so that we can make room to be filled with more of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.